Hello, this is your host Keith, and it's time once again for an installment of Lum and Abner, the 30-minute episodes. This time, we have, through special arrangement, Uncle Donnie Pitchford, the president of the National Lum and Abner Society. He will be reading articles from the Jotem Down journals. Here he comes now. Come on in, Uncle Donnie. Can you read an article from the December 1984 Jot M Down Journal? We back up to page 5. Lum and Abner in the News, reprints of past Lum and Abner articles. This one is from Radio Guide, March the 28th, 1936. This time we reprint the article exactly as it appeared from the magazine. Topping the article, we have a wide photograph here depicting Tuffy Goff, his wife Elizabeth Goff, next Mrs. Harriet Locke, and Chet Locke. Locke and Goff are out of makeup and are two very dapper, well-dressed, handsome young men. In the center of the article, in an oval-shaped picture, is a picture of a baby. The caption underneath these, in group above, Mr. and Mrs. Norris Abner Goff at left, with the Chester Lomlocks as they investigated the strange events somewhere east of Pine Ridge. In medallion, the manger child of the Roy Garretts, photographed shortly after being christened Chester Norris. The Strange Prophecy of Lum and Abner by George Livingston. Do coming events really cast their shadows before them? You may be able to explain such eerie occurrences as the howling of a dog, three days before someone dies, and you may not. You may be able to explain certain forebodings, premonitions, prophecies, but whether you scoff or whether you shake your head slowly and say there must be something to it, you will have to admit that an amazing thing happened to Chester Locke and Norris Goff. This pair probably is better known to you as Lum and Abner, two kindly, humorous, slightly philosophical old storekeepers in the mythical Ozark mountain town of Pine Ridge. Apart from their radio characters, they are young men, sensible, successful, and level-headed, not at all inclined to be superstitious. They do not have lucky stars, and they laugh at numerology, but they are still looking around for an explanation of what happened last Christmas. For the past three years, Lom and Abner have repeated the same Christmas story. It parallels the Bible account of the Nativity, the story of the three wise men who followed a star westward to a promised Messiah bringing myrrh and precious gifts to lay at his feet. It had been prophesied, you remember, that they would find the newborn child in a manger. In the script, Lom and Abner and Grandpa Spears, a character also taken by Locke, hear that a child has been born to a destitute family whose house has burned down. They start east from Pine Ridge in an attempt to find the place carrying food and blankets. At the fork in the road, not knowing which way to turn, they stop, bewildered. But that strange, mysterious something that led the wise men is with them. Suddenly, Abner remembers that the only place where a house is burned recently is the old Garrett farm. They go there and find that the child has been born in the barn. The Christmas night, Lum and Abner went on the air with that script for the third consecutive time. A midwife, Ola Hooper, was hurrying across the rough Arkansas country, analogous to Pine Ridge, toward the farm of Roy Garrett. 
she had engaged in a race with the stork. The farmers around Waters, stolid, sturdy people, had known Roy Garrett all his life. When his house burned down, they told one another that Roy had more than his rightful share of bad luck. They knew Roy Garrett was honest, a willing helper at harvest time, a good neighbor in the country where a man still had room to stretch. They knew his wife, too. She was the sort that makes a hard-working Arkansas farmer a good mate. She had borne Roy Garrett three children already, and now Ola Hooper was hastening to deliver the fourth. Back in that section of Arkansas, doctors are few and far between, for money is scarce and the land sparsely settled. So practical women who knew what it is to bear children take the place of the doctor in childbirth. They have none of the instruments and equipment that await a prospective mother in a modern hospital. If there's an emergency, well, willing hands take up the task and crude equipment suffices. Fortunately, these practical women lose very few babies. Perhaps it is because the women are accustomed to pain and hardships. In the fields outdoors, they often work shoulder to shoulder with the men. When Ola Hooper got to the Garrett farm, she saw the charred ruins of what had once been a house. Then she heard Roy Garrett call from the barn, telling her to hurry. There was no time to lose. The barn was not even a good barn. It was built of rough boards with wide cracks between, a roof, and a makeshift hayloft. Ola Hooper hastened inside. There she saw three frightened children huddled around an old cook stove. Untidy wisps of hay hung from the ceiling. She called to the husband to get some water. The bed was in a corner of the room. Ola Hooper ran to it, not any too soon. A clock ticked. There came a low cry. The midwife looked up from her work at exactly 6.35 p.m. At that very moment, in a broadcasting studio miles away, Lum and Abner were telling their listeners the event in the Garrett barn. Lum and Abner themselves did not know they were dramatizing the truth until Dick Huddleston, the general storekeeper in Waters, wrote them about the true-life advent of the little Garrett son. It was then that the amazing parallelism between the radio prophecy and reality came to light. It made Lum and Abner gasp but there was the birth certificate to prove Dick Huddleston's letter. Was it purely coincidence? Perhaps it was, but if so, it had one chance to happen in, well, let's see, what were the odds? There are 439,408 families in Arkansas. Out of this total, Lum and Abner had to pick the right family name that would be pretty tough in itself. Then they had to find the location. The area of the state gave them the odds that they would come within a square mile of finding the baby by one chance in 53,335. Then consider the chances that they would guess the baby would be born in a barn to a family whose house had burned down at exactly the right time Christmas night. It would take all the benefits of calculus, analytical geometry, and astrodynamics to figure those odds. Lum and Abner thought that the explanation might lie in the fact that they had heard of the Garrett family a long time ago when they were back home in Mina and had forgotten about it. Did the necessity of getting a name from the script dig it out of their subconsciousness? Again, it is possible, but not probable. Both Chester Locke and Norris Goff lived in Mina, Arkansas five years ago. Locke was the manager of the local automobile finance company there, and Goff helped his father run several wholesale grocery stores. 
Then their chances came to develop their hitherto amateur talent in radio. While Locke was president of the Mena Lions Club, the members launched a campaign to raise funds for the destitute and homeless people stranded by a recent flood. Someone at KTHS in Hot Springs heard the program and suggested another one like it. Locke and Goff would have repeated their blackface act, but when they got to the studio, the air was charged with such mimics. On the spur of the moment, they decided to talk like the people with whom they did business, the home folks around Mina and Waters. When the announcer asked for their names, Locke answered, Lum. Call me Abner, said Goff. Their act went over. Later, they struck out for Chicago and had their first chance on the network in July of 1931, subbing for Gene and Glenn on vacation. Dick Huddleston of Waters, the man whose letter to Lum and Abner uncovered their radio prophecy, has his Pine Ridge counterpart. He is one of the main characters in the script. Dick Huddleston of Lum and Abner has been taken from his life, general store and all. Across Huddleston's store found in Waters is the big sign, Lum and Abner, in grateful acknowledgement to the two boys from Mina who made his name known to radio audiences. Yes, it is possible that Lum and Abner could have heard of the Garrett family and forgotten. But that does not explain how Lum and Abner were able to foretell the birth of a baby boy to the Garrett family on Christmas Day three years before it happened. Nor does it explain how they guessed the Garrett house would burn down and the child would be born in a barn. It does not answer how Lum and Abner were able to write in their script the very direction from Waters where the child would be born. They had in mind only the parallelism of the Bible story. Well, it still has Lum and Abner guessing, and it probably will you. The parents of the Garrett baby cannot account for Lum and Abner's strange prophecy. But they feel that such a happening in radio should not go entirely uncommemorated, and Chester Locke and Norris Goff feel honored. They have named the baby after Lum and Abner's real names, Chester Norris Garrett. The residents of Waters, too, all 400-odd of them, feel that they wish to show their appreciation to the two men who have made their hometown famous as far as Lum and Abner's words reach. Pine Ridge, the mythical Ozark locale of the radio program, will be a myth no longer if the citizens of Waters have their way. They are preparing a petition to the United States Post Office Department asking that the name of Waters be changed to Pine Ridge. Just below this, the caption, the Horlicks Malted Milk Company presents Lum and Abner every day except Saturday and Sunday over an NBC network at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 Central Standard Time, 5.30 Mountain Standard Time, 4.30 Pacific Standard Time, and over a split network at 11.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10.15 Central Standard Time, 9.15 Mountain Standard Time, 8.15 Pacific Standard Time. The original photograph from this page of the article shows Roy Garrett holding Chester Norris. They're standing in front of the barn where the actual event took place. The caption reads, Proudly, Roy Garrett holds his infant son before the barn, which was the scene of the Lum and Abner miracle prediction. The bottom of the page, Editor's Note 1986. Broadcast information above applies to 1936. This article was rearranged slightly to fit our format. However, nothing has been deleted. Thanks for coming over, Uncle Donnie. Come again soon, and have a Merry Christmas.
Thank you, Uncle Donnie. I appreciate that. I'm sure our listeners do, too. You can find out more about the National Lumen Abner Society at lumenabner.org. You'll find more by visiting the Lumen Abner Radio Fan Club on Facebook. There's a community of Lumen Abner fans who would love to hear from you and your ideas about Lumen Abner and answer any questions that you may have. And with all that said, it is time to get on with the show. Traditional Christmas Show, December 19th, 1948. Is that I believe that's our ring. Ah. Bridget Air presents, as its Christmas greeting to you, a special broadcast of the new Lum and Abner show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight Lum and Abner are bringing you their traditional Christmas story. And because of its unique nature, our program will be presented without interruption. But before we begin, here's a very brief message for the men, folks. If you're still wondering what to give that favorite lady of yours for Christmas, your frigid air dealer can help you. You'll know how you welcome anything that makes your work easier and more interesting. How you like to be the owner of something everybody admires. Well, women are like that, too, about things they can use. So for a really welcome Christmas present for your wife, or mother, or married daughter... Choose a Frigidaire home appliance. There's still time to order, or if your dealer can't make delivery on just the model you want, ask about Frigidaire's gift certificate plan. So give your lady a beautiful Frigidaire refrigerator. There are many different types and sizes. Give her a Frigidaire electric range, so cooking will be fun from now on. Give her a Frigidaire automatic washer to free her forever from the work of wash days. Or give an automatic electric dryer. Yes, Tie a red Christmas ribbon on any one of these Frigidaire Happy Home Appliances for your favorite lady, and man, how she will love you for it. And now Frigidaire, a division of General Motors, takes you on a Christmas visit to Pine Ridge. And as we look in on the little community, a picture of complete peace and contentment greets our eyes. It's a clear, still evening. It's Christmas night, and the whole countryside is wrapped in a clean white blanket of snow, which has fallen rather heavily all day long. Here and there, along the deserted streets of the little village, we see an occasional home where the lights of a Christmas tree in the front window still twinkle in the dark of night. In the distance, we hear the bells of a sleigh as it cuts through the snow, and closer to us, we hear the spirited voices of some youthful carolers as they fill the air with Christmas melodies. Their song sings its way into the parlor of the Peabody home, where we find Abner, Lum, Ben Withers, and Elsa Seastrunk. So I says to Miss Quincy, well, sure, it's high. But you try to get a Christmas tree anyplace else for less money. And wait, I... wait a minute, Evan. Do you hear that? Huh? That's singing. Can you hear it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I bound just them young'uns that sang at church this morning. Yeah, open the window so we can hear them better. Just open the window, Abner. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Doggy, look at that one little one out there. <laughs> I bound you, he ain't over six years old. 
That was just fine, boys. That was awful pretty. Yeah, ask him to sing another, Abner. Uh, we'd just love to hear you sing another, and if you don't mind. Well, hope they say no else. There's my favorite. Well, now, the one I've always liked best is that... Oh, wait a minute, Lum. I believe they got ideas of their own. There, that's the one. That's it. Oh, you feel good to hear something like that, don't it? Yes, kind of warms the heart. Yes, sir, they must have been practicing that and pretty good the way they sung it. Oh, there's a problem. Yeah. Well, there they go on their way. Hey, look at them, Ben. How's that, other? See the way the moon's shining down on them? Don't that look sort of like a picture on a Christmas card? Yes, yes, it does. Reminds me of a card I received from Myrtle Cabot from my lady one year. Card which I have always treasured highly. Uh, we should close the window, Abner. You'll see the draft on the seat. Ain't gonna see them the level best here, at least. Well, all right. I just hated to shut out the music. Hated to shut out the music. I don't blame you, Abner. I'm sure that's just what we do too often, sort of... Shut the music right out of our lives. Yeah, uh, well, let's see here. What were we talking about? Well, uh, Ms. Quincy was kicking about the price of trees this year, and you said... Wait a minute, wait a minute. We ought to be talking about prices and business and all that stuff. We've got plenty of time the rest of the year for that. This is Christmas. Yeah, yeah, Lom's right. Uh, we ought to be talking about Christmas. Uh, what'd you get this year, Ezra? No, sir. I don't like to say nothing against Grandpa Master. But I give him a three dollar and seventy five cent tyrack. You, you know what he give me? A forty nine cent pair of socks. <laughs> Is that all them socks call? Yes, sir. Well, I'll be dead blame. That's what he give me too. Uh, here, here, these fellers still don't get what I'm talking about. What a gift cost ain't got nothing to do with Christmas. What I meant was, well, we oughtn't to be just sitting here talking about Christmas. We ought to be do, doing something about it. 
Maybe we ought to be doing what them young'uns is doing, singing Christmas carols. Us? <laughs> no, no. We're too old for such as that. Well, what's age got to do with it? The spirit of Christmas is for everybody, young and old. We sort of turn it over to the children, but we ought to enjoy it with them. Well, yeah, I reckon you're right. Somehow or other, it just ain't seem like Christmas to me this year. Seems like we're missing something, or... Well, I don't know. I can explain it. Come on, let's just try a few songs. Might just do us good. Well, I, I don't know if I ought to be tracking around this year snow. I, I ain't been a feeling my level best here lately. Oh, I, I don't mean go outdoors and sing. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't want to flick voices like ours on nobody else. I mean, just do it right here. Oh, well, I reckon we could. Our neighbors ain't home today, so they can't object. <laughs> Or to have a songbook, I reckon. Ain't but a couple of them carols that I know by heart. Well, my favorite is Noel. Abner, why don't you call Mrs. Peabody in from the kitchen and have her play the organ? Yeah, that's a good idea. Get Elizabeth in here to chord for us. That might help us get a little closer to the tune. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Sister Simpson's out there. Get her. She plays the organ over at the church. Well, now, I'll tell you, it ain't much use calling either one of them. I was just out in the kitchen a minute ago, and them women folks ain't even halfway done with the dishes yet. <laughs> they ain't? Well, what have they been doing out there all this time? Oh, I don't know, Ed. I just don't know. They just had to do dishes for 14 people. <laughs> Women are just natural born slow, I reckon. Well, Abner, I wouldn't criticize them too much. Them's the things that women enjoy, cooking, doing dishes and all that. Oh. <laughs> a dog, they sure must, the way they insist on hanging around out there all the time. They spent might nigh three days out there cooking up this dinner. You'd think they'd want to get the work done and get out of there, but no. They just want to well, Personally, I'm an unmarried bachelor like Lund. I feel that if they enjoy that type of thing so much, they should be permitted to do it. <laughs> After all, it's not every week that they get to prepare a big dinner like this. Of course not. Something like this is a nice change for them. Yeah, well, I'll see if they ain't about dead with them dishes out there. Miss Samson! That's Sister Samson. I will say there's one thing I don't understand about the fair sex. And that is why the women folks insist on getting the kitchen so unbearably hot. <laughs> then I wondered about that same thing myself. Seems like every time a batch of women get together in a kitchen, first thing they do is get the temperatures up to where a man would suffocate to death. Hey, Miss Simpson. Well, I know last Thanksgiving, my woman and her two sister-in-laws got that there kitchen of iron so hot the ship never cooled off for two days. Hey, Sister Simpson, come in here a second. Well, what do you want, Abner? Don't you know I'm out here helping you, woman? Yeah, well, Lom here wants to sing. Well, go ahead. That's all right. It won't bother us none. Well, we want you to play the organ for us, Miss Simpson. Oh? See, I thought it'd be sort of nice if we gathered around the organ and sung a few Christmas carols together. <laughs> sort of get in the spirit of things. Make it seem more like, ooh, I don't know, more Christmassy. Come on, Miss Simpson. Get over to the organ. Oh, land sake, Ben, I can't play nothing now. My hands is all wet. Got dishwasher all, water all over them. Well, I'm on your apron, Sister Simpson. Yes, come on, we need you. Uh, well, I oughtn't to be taking the time right now. That fair floor ain't been set for nothing done yet. Oh, well, forget about that. That can wait. Yeah, this is Christmas. Of course, now, if nobody likes the idea, I just thought, oh, well, forget it. Oh, no, sir, you've got a right good idea there, love. 
A little singing won't hurt none of us. Come on. Oh, well, my favorite right one is Noel. <laughs> uh, let me pull the bench out for you, Miss Benson. Oh, I'll get it. Could I have me pop the pedals for you? Let her pump them herself, Ben. She knows just how to do it to suit herself. Been doing it for years. Uh, say, ain't y'all got any uh, songbook here with the carols in it? I believe there is one around here somewhere. I don't know where it's at. So wait, I'll go ask Elizabeth. Oh, never mind. I know most of them myself. What do you want to start off with? What do you say, Lum? No, oh, I don't know any of them. Might try a kind of easy one to limber up on. No, I, I know a good one. Noel. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. Somebody with a good stout voice better stand next to Edna so he don't get that super off key. I can sing just as good as anybody here. You've heard me at church. I keep right up with the best of them. Fact is, sometimes I come out clean ahead of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Abner, start bragging on yourself. Let's decide on something here. Ben, what do you generally sing, bass or altori? Yes. <laughs> About what I figured. Well, somebody's got to carry the lead, because I'm sort of a low bass myself. Well, I'll carry the lead. All right. It's an awful chance to take. <laughs> you help him out, Ben. Right. All right, come on. Yeah, let's start. Yeah, get the pump in there, Simpson. Well, all right, but you ain't told me what you're going to say yet. Oh, oh, sure, that's right. Yeah, well, let's see now. Oh, I just happened to think of one. Noel. <laughs> There's a rather nice song about the deck in the halls with hollies, one thing and another, but I don't know it. There's one part that goes, those are the only words I'm sure of. Well, here, I can't talk this thing all day. How about this? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, sure. In better, no well. you play that highly excellently. Oh, I can't play so good, Ben, but uh, I just do the best I can. Well, let's see now. Who's got another suggestion? Noel is nice. How does the uh, little town of Bethlehem start out? Oh, let me see now. Hey, that sort of starts the way Noel starts out, I believe. Yeah, that's it, Mr. Ben. You know, this seems more like Christmas to me now. The trouble with most of it is we just sit around at Christmas time and take it for granted, you might say, and forget the real meaning of it. What we ought to do is go back and read the story of the first Christmas again. Hey, wait a minute, Lom. I believe that was a phone ringing in a minute ago. Yeah, go ahead and answer that. Yeah, uh, soft pedal organ, uh, Miss Simpson. Hello. Hello. Is that you, Abner? Well, for the land sakes, Grandpappy Spears. Well, 
Merry Christmas, Grandpa. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, Abner. Uh, say, why don't you and your woman, Charity, come on over here? We're sort of sitting around singing some songs. Yeah, well, I'd love to. I know it's kind of late to be asking anything like this, Abner, but do you reckon you and Long could go out to the old Gaddis place with me? Tonight? Yeah, tonight. Well, law me, Grandpa, that's a good ways out in the country. And sides, ain't nobody living out there. That house burnt down two or three years ago. Well, there's a family out there staying in the barn right now, and they could sure use some help. They need some vittles and something to keep them warm. Doc Miller's on his way out there now. Well, for the land's sake, what's wrong? Uh, who are they? Well, I'll tell you all about it later. Can you go or can't you? Why, sure. Er, now, wait, I better ask Lom. Hold on a minute. Hey, uh, Lom, I sort of hate to ask you this, but... Grandpap wants us to round up some groceries and blankets and stuff and told them to somebody clean out to the old Gaddis place. What do you mean, hate to ask me? Come on, let's get going. Now Christmas is beginning to mean something. Uh, put in another loaf of bread, Abner. Yeah, yeah. And some more of them apples. Well, now, Long, we don't want to make this too heavy. Don't forget, we got to tote this part away tonight. Well, leave them out, then. How come Doc Miller went out there? Well, Grandpap never said. Say, maybe you're right, Lom. Hand me another batch of them apples. Well, Ben, I'll get this stove back to you as quick as we can fix that family up with something else to keep them warm. Well, that's all right. Let them keep it. Just tell them to be careful when they pour the coal oil in. It leaks a little right here. Have you got plenty of coal oil? A full can of it. And much obliged, Ben. You sure you folks won't need this blanket? It's mighty cold these nights. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you take it, Abner. Uh, put it to the ovens you got there. Well, this is an awful good one. Uh, anybody who's staying in the barn needs awful good one. Say, Lom, I just hear they're expecting a baby out there. Reckon that's true? A baby? Oh, my goodness alive. Come on, Abner. We better get on our way. Thus it is that we find three old fellows, burdened with gifts, trudging along through the snow on the road which leads from Pine Ridge out into the countryside. Lum, Abner, and Grandpappy Sears on a real Christmas mission. Are you sure we're headed right now, are you, Grandpap? Yeah, yeah, I know this is the way. Doc Miller rode his horse over here. You can see his tracks there in the snow. Yeah. Well, it must be the old Gaddis place then. Well, that's where it's at, all right. That's where that barn's at, in other words. That's all that's left of the place, just the barn. Well, Doc says it's due east from that road where we turned off. Due east? Well, let's see now. Which way is east? I ain't paid no attention to the directions here. Wait a minute. Whereabouts is the east star? There it is, right ahead of us. We're going right, man. Don't worry about that. Yeah, we can just follow the east star. Yeah, that ought to lead us to it, all right. How'd you find out about these folks, Grandpap? Well, Doc Miller and his woman ate dinner over at our place, and we were sitting there visiting after we got done eating, and the telephone rung and told Doc to get right over here. Well, uh, who done the call? Oh, some feller named Joe something or another. Forget what he did call his name. He'd went over to some neighbor's house to call. 
Said they'd been into the county seat to pay their taxes, and there weren't no room at the hotel, so they come out here to this old barn to spend the night. Well, this ain't fitting weather to have to stay out in a barn. And they said they were sort of expecting the baby to be born tonight, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's the reason they called Doc Miller. Please, <laughs> What's the matter, Abner? Oh, all these high arms is getting hard. Well, here, let me carry them blankets a while, and you can carry this oil here. Is that box of groceries getting heavy, Granddad? No, I'm all right. We ought to be there directly anyhow. Answer this snow tires the body out walking through it, you know. Well, maybe we're walking a little fast for you, Edna. Here, you take the lantern. That'll help you see better. Yeah. Yeah, sir, it's mighty thoughty of you fellas to come over here at night this way. I sort of hate to call you to get out on Christmas, but... After Doc left, why, well, me and the woman got to talking about how pitiful it was that that couple was having to stay out here in this barn with nothing to eat and all. Well, I'm just glad you called me, Grandpa. Just proud of a chance to help him. Yeah, this makes it seem more like Christmas to me, doing for somebody else. You know, you just can't do things to make others happy without making yourself happy at the same time. No, no. Trouble with a lot of us, we sort of lose the Christmas idea altogether. Think too much about ourselves. The real Christmas spirit is the happiness we get out of making others happy. Yeah. Well, there we was, sitting there at home. Thought we was enjoying ourselves. And these folks out here spending Christmas in a cold barn this way. Oh, this wouldn't have been no Christmas to it if you hadn't called us up, Grandpap. Well, I know I could depend on you fellas. Now, men, if it's the old Gaddis place, we ought to be able to see it from the top of this hill here. Wait a minute, I believe that's the barn yonder, ain't it? Yeah, yeah, that's where they're at. Well, now, that's due east from where we was at, all right, for there's the east star right over the top of the barn. Yeah. Yeah, there's Doc's horse tied to the fence there. Yeah, this is the place. See the light shining through the cracks in the walls? Well, sir, it's just a shame that them folks never let some of us know what they needed a place to stay. We've got plenty of room over at our place, and just been glad to have them. Well, this man that called Doc said they was looking for a place to stay and seen this barn weren't being used, so they just put up there for the night. Uh, whereabouts do they live, Grandpa? did he say? Yeah, they're from over about Pleasant Valley, Summers. He told Doc he never had no cash money, taking every nickel he had to pay his taxes, but said if he'd make the call, he'd work it out as quick as he could. Well, old Doc never refused a call in his life, I don't reckon. No, no. I've known him to get up in the dead of night in the worst kind of weather to go call on the sick when he knowed before he went that he never would get no pay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what we'd do without old Doc here in this community. Whilst there's some that says his methods is a little old-fashioned, but I grant he's all take my chances with him every time. And he's pulled me through the shatters time and again. I've always said that Doc never practiced medicine for what money he got out of it, as much as he does for the good that he can be to his fellow man. Well, sir, if there ever was a man that's got a preserved seat in a better world, it's old Doc Miller. We better not be talking too loud, fellas. We don't want to disturb him now. No, no, let's all be as quiet as we can. Yeah, we got to let Doc know we're here some way or other. I reckon it won't hurt nothing to tap on the door sort of gentle. No, go ahead, Lum. They might be needing this all soul. I don't hear a sound in there. 
I don't believe you knocked quite loud enough, Lona. Maybe they never heard you. Wait a minute. Here comes somebody to the door. Well, howdy, Doc. Oh, hello there. Well, what are you three old codgers doing out here this time of the night? Why, we just got to thinking after you left, Doc, these folks might be needing something. Yeah, Doc, we brought an oil stove and some bed covers. And here's a box of groceries. Well, they're sure needing them. Haven't got any heat of any kind in there. Using what little hay was left in there for a bed, I took and piled it up in the manger, made a pretty good bed. But now these covers will just come in awful handy. How's the lady, Doc? Well, getting along as well as could be expected, I guess, you know. I'll take these things on in and have her husband like this heater and warm the place up a little. Uh, you men had better stay out here for a little while. Oh, yeah, sure. You, you go ahead, Doc. We'll wait out here. If there's anything we can do, Doc, just let us know. That's all right, thank you. Oh, Doc, uh, what kind of work does this fella do? Why, uh... He said a while ago that he was a carpenter by trade, Lom. Uh, said he'd been out of work quite a while. Well, here, I'd better get back to him. Yeah. Said he was a carpenter, huh? Yeah, I was just thinking, I mean, We've been talking about building that loading platform at the back door of the store, and I think it's a pretty good idea to get this fellow to help us. Yeah, that's a good idea, Lom. Might get him to do a little fixing up in the store, too, while he's at it. Yeah, he'll want to be nice wife and baby for a few days now. Quick as Doc thinks it's safe for him to be moved, I'm going to insist on him coming right over there at our place and staying. Well, that'd be the best place in the world for him. Aunt Charity could take care of him better than anybody I know. <laughs> yeah, she'd get a side of enjoyment out of looking after the baby. <laughs> Just love children. Yeah. Well, that woman of yours, Grandpappy's mother, is every young and in the community. Yeah, sir, I was just thinking here. <laughs> here we are, three old codgers, getting along in years, standing around out here waiting. Waiting for a little baby to be born. Sort of like as if we're waiting for somebody to take our place. Well, of course, we don't like to talk about such things, but... We've about solved our time, I reckon. It won't be long before we'll have to move on and turn the reins over to somebody else. <laughs> They'll soon forget about us. Yeah, it's sort of like the years. Here the old years almost gone. There's been lots of things happen, but they'll soon be forgot. There's been lots of joys and happiness. On the other hand, there's been lots of heartaches and lots of hopes that never come true. But there's a new year coming, bringing new hope and new courage. And we're sort of like the years, us three old fellas. We're sort of like the old year going out, and we're waiting on the new year. The little baby in yonder. Well, it's just like I've always... Well, wait a minute. I believe somebody's coming to the door. Oh, maybe it's Don. Any news yet, Don? Well, men... It's a fine baby boy.
traditional Christmas story. May the spirit of peace and goodwill which it brings remain with you through the years to come. This is the Christmas wish for you and yours from Lumen Abner and Frigidaire, from the Frigidaire dealer in your own community who's ready to serve you all the time, and from yours truly, Wendell Nav. The new Lumen Abner show is brought to you each week with the best wishes of your Frigidaire dealer and the Frigidaire division of General Motors. Manufacturers of a complete line of home appliances, air conditioners, and commercial refrigeration equipment. Our special music was by Felix Mills and his orchestra, and the Mitchell Boy Choir. So until next Sunday night, same time, same station, it's Wendell Niles saying goodnight for Frigid Air, America's number one refrigerator. Merry Christmas, everybody.